So I'm, uh, I'm Smiley's Garden. I'm here, excited here to talk with uh, Josh from Intergalactic Garden. Um, and uh, Josh, I don't know if you want to take a sec, just kind of introduce yourself. And uh, it's going to be me getting to know you too. So. Yep, I'm Josh, like you said, from Intergalactic. Um, I have two businesses. One is a nonprofit that is in Southeast Detroit, where we focus on removing landfill waste we take it from restaurants or leftover areas. Instead of it going to a landfill, we find a repurpose for it, which is often compost or some sort of amendment, which is now turning into these cool pellets with a veg and a bloom that we're offering now as well. And then I also have intergalactic gardens, which is more cannabis driven, it's breeding, and also being more specific on using these amendments and applying them very easily in the garden with a water only system, growing some dank buds, Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I've been uh, kind of following a fan like uh, I was explaining last night a little bit that I, I kind of came across your path because of the sunshine. Um, and uh, I don't know if I don't know if you wanted to, I've never really heard you. You actually popped the original seeds that were from yep. Bodhi of the sunshine. Yep, that's kind of, in my mind, that's one of the all time like Desert Island kind of strains. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very special, even still today. I have, I go through so many seeds and it's still like, it's brand new to me for how special it is. We're probably 10 years later now, just about. Wow, man. It it's has been a while. Yeah, I kept it, I kept it to myself for a little while at first and then uh, it got out, so to speak. I traded it to a buddy and I'm not sure what happened from there, but it spread like wildfire. Yeah, And then it started winning cups and it had a different name to it, Sunshine 4. And I was like, hmm. It's kind of kind of interesting, I've, you know, because no one at that time, no one even heard of Sunshine. They're renaming it left and right. No one wanted to sell a pack of Sunshine. That's kind of funny. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, a couple of years went on and kept on winning, kept on winning. And then eventually uh, Jake from Midnight Roots uh, got to the bottom of the story. We have a bunch of mutual friends from uh, downtown kind of techno scene. And uh, a good friend of mine, Drew, was good friends with him and they kind of were talking one day and kind of got to the bottom of the story and it was real cool for uh jake to kind of put it out there and kind of set the record straight as far as the genetics go yeah he's a cool guy man he's been on the oh, he's the great he's so too. great and a great musician you know it's all, all around very cool yeah yeah no doubt and um i seen on the post too and i just want to kind of include this because i know uh, Great Lakes Dank, I noticed you said that he was kind of saving that for you or whatever and got it back to you. And uh, I've been oh, following yeah. him as well, too, because of the sunshine. So, yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, he's, uh, I've known him since I was born. Awesome. And when I was younger, uh, well, about 10 years ago at least, I gave it to him for safekeeping and he's always kind of held the flame. So. Kept, it, kept it alive as I went through other stuff, other genetics. Back then, I only had, you know, 20 30 plants and you can only keep so much because i'm always seeds i've rarely ever do a clone unless it's for uh outside for all my breeding is all strictly outside so one time a season all dedicated towards michigan strains uh you know phenotypes essentially for that that do well in the michigan environment no doubt that's cool um <laughs> Yeah, dude, I was checking out. So the, the pellet fertilizer is, um, I mean, to me, that's just pretty innovative. And uh, and I just I was curious to know more about it really is, is a lot yeah. of 
Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to it. There, uh, well, essentially, some of these amendments that I pick up from waste, like brewery grain, some of them are isolated, not just a whole bunch of mixed, uh, you know, trash together. Although I don't really use that term because it's not it's not waste, essentially. But anyways, some of these stuff that come in bulk, we'll we'll dry them out, dehydrate them, mill it down into a powder, and then send it in for a you know, to spectrum labs or something for, for them to analyze it and get a reading back. And then at the same time, I was kind of going online, you know, there's a million mixes out there for super soils and different recipes. I'd kind of deconstruct the compost out of them and see what kind of amendments were in them and kind of replicate some of these mixes and sending them into the lab. Just kind of see where, uh, what, what kind of balance are like, why are we ordering kelp and stuff from halfway around the world when essentially we're throwing so much stuff away every day. And then the more you test, the more you see that there's a relation amongst a lot of these amendments. And uh, really? back, uh, 10 years ago, like, oh, like, what do you mean by a relation between? Well, you can start to see uh, like, oh, wow, this, you know, avocado shells have 2% nitrogen, 2% potassium, not too far from what the kelp was testing at, as far as trying to find things to swap out gotcha. without having all the shipping. Like, you know, we don't have kelp around here. So all the shipping that has to be done from there to here. We should find stuff locally, you know, make less of a carbon footprint, especially as organic gardeners. You know, there needs to be a step up in the game as far as not producing plastic, you know, trying to connect to the earth through a plastic jug. It's kind of a, <laughs> exactly. a little bit of something there. It doesn't feel right. You know, and all, all my packaging so far is like a burlap sack, reusable, even as like a, like a smart pot, so to speak, or you can always put some sort of shit in there. But anyways, uh, about 10 years ago, I was really liking Botanicare had these pure, pure pellets, pure bloom, pure veg, they're green and pink. And I just always back then thought it was so convenient and they were cheap. And then uh, essentially went obsolete, you know, for whatever reason, probably they weren't making as much money off that stuff. But I always liked that idea It's convenient, not a bunch of powders mixing together, breathing all that stuff in and whatnot. So then when all these amendments and all the stuff starts making sense, so, you know, instead of making a super soil, I'll just put it into pellets and then you can just kind of compost that in because it'd already be a specific blend. You know, I'd match it to what my super soil previously was. Right now it's 90% locally sourced with a little bit of rock dust, but uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping within two, three months, it'll be a hundred percent for the flowering mix, but the veg and the no-till mix are hundred percent all from, you know, people's waste essentially. You've done so. You've done a few different mixes of the powders, and then you just kind of get them composted and mixed together in a pellet. And it's so. Uh, well, it's like a there's a uh, mix them into powders, and then it'll we'll mix in like a cement mixer. I'll have I've already tested blends at the labs to see to make sure it's what I was previously using before when I was using kelp and guano and you know neem seed meal and all this other stuff. So on paper they look the same, but the ingredients essentially would be different. Gotcha. Yeah, but then, uh, then a pellet mill gets hot, you know, uh, probably get up between two and 300 degrees. And some of the carbon and lignin in, in these pellets will turn into like a glue. So it's a natural adhesive and okay. uh, makes a nice little seal on it. And we also, I also mix in uh, biochar and different pieces of mushrooms and organic matter, compost itself. So there's no clumping. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with when powders get wet too quick and the soil will clump together, make little hot spots. So this actually has carbon on the site. As soon as it gets wet, it's not, you know, it's like a little mini environment as opposed to hundred percent guano or something like that. 
Yeah, so it's kind of taking it to the next level as well. You know, or trying to explore new new ways of it, but they're taking off. People are having great results. That's fantastic. Better than me. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And that, so those like dissolve. That's like a slow release kind of thing, is what. Yep, it's kind of cool. So I, I mean, I gave an initial dose because essentially, I I I took like how much super soy would let's say be in this, how many uh, pounds would be per hundred cubic feet or whatnot and minimize it down per pot. And then I uh, gave people, you know, okay, two pounds, two and a half pounds in a 10, five, 10, 15 gallon pot. And people were doubling it, of course, slamming it, but not burning them and having great results. Like so the idea of, What's like, that? Like the no-till mix, like the idea would be, I can buy a bale of and then I can use whatever aeration and I can just mix in those pellets as all my super soil amendments or quote unquote, like a, Super yep. Amendment. yep it already it's already pre it's already pre-mixed essentially you know and i'll, I'll put into a pellet so for flour a veg the veg doesn't have much uh potassium or phosphorus in it but a lot of minerals and nitrogen the no-till is more like a two 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 and then the the bloom it's off the charts right now i could i could tone it down a bit it seems like there's two three worse grows worth of phosphorus in those babies right now but they're working well they're working real well. I'm excited to explore them even more. Cool. Um, I just want to say one thing. If sure. Eagle, if you're listening, the chat is not up on YouTube, and it looks like you have to fire that up as the administrator. So it won't let me fire it up. So sorry, everybody listening. Chat's not up. I do realize that. But. So how long? How long do them pellets like? I mean, if you got a bloom formula as well as a veg, like how long are you looking at? kind of breaking apart and, and being used in the soil uh wait can you say that again like the pellets i mean how long how long are they really taking to kind of break apart and be used by the plant and, well it seems like uh i mean within a couple of days as soon as they get wet some some stuff is already available for sure you know because everything's all essentially milled down into a powder so once it once it breaks open it uh everything's already pretty fine broken down but as far as the initial reaction, there hasn't been any burn yet. Okay. You know, at least you can pound them at least. I'm sure someone can uh, test that theory to the max. Oh. Well. But there's some there's some instant reactions. Like right now, like ideally, you make a super soil, you you cook it for 30, 60 days. You know, at least get get them get them kind of worked in there. With uh, I've had my whole last round without any super soil, just all pellets on the bottom upon transplant. 10 days of another veg in that pot and uh, had, a, had a great run. So there's no super soil, no pre-composting it in there. Not that I'd recommend it, but it's all, you know, if you're in a pinch or you don't have time, it's also a valid, a valid option to do. If, of course, you know, pre-cooking it in your pot for 20 days would obviously just make it that much better. But they still work, you know, as far as to answer your question, they can work right away. Uh, you know, four or five days on the veg pellets, put a little little cup right around the stem kind of kind of work it in a little bit and uh you start seeing some greening results you know that week yeah no that's <laughs> awesome man because that's one question i was always wondering like that's a hurdle for a lot of guys that are trying to run that super soil style or even new people mixing up a soil it's like okay we pull these lists of ingredients and i mean some of them can be four to 28 different ingredients you know and sometimes it's exactly. kind of you know 
So I think it's really cool, like the concept of what you got going on, Josh. Is, Thanks. Is I really appreciate the interest. Awesome. I'm hoping to keep it growing. But yeah, essentially, it's everything already pre-mixed. Even if you wanted to make the soil without having to get the powders, you can just dump, you know, 30, 30 pounds in a, you know, 100 cubic feet or whatnot and uh, just cook it already. It's already already pre-balanced, you know, just even eliminate that step of all the powders and all that inhaling and whatnot. And not, and I forgot to mention that it's all cruelty free, no animal parts, no slaughter, no slaughterhouses, no fishery. You know, not that I'm get. I sometimes find some wild bones in my yard. I'll, I'll put them in there, but it doesn't support any uh, cruel systems like that. So it's all trying to trying to be on a better path for uh, for that in that manner. So it's all essentially uh, vegetables and grains and stuff. That's all nuts and seeds within all the mixes. Where where you're so you said you're sourcing it locally in grains obviously like breweries and stuff but uh, what what other kind of sources are you getting for material? Well, there's like uh there's nut there's a few nut factories in Detroit. Okay. There's like uh, coffee roasters. Yeah. Uh, lots of Mexican restaurants. Like I said, there's some some place you have to really do some digging. You know, essentially talking to people. There's a McClure's factory was one of our first ones. They have specific specific basting see how to how do you manipulate it breweries obviously an easy one because it's all grain there's not a bunch of food mixed in with it so you know some breakfast restaurants i've had uh i'll take all their waste in one but they'll separate the egg shells in another you know for calcium carbonate and whatnot so uh takes a little bit of talking to the manager it's not an easy you like people want people want to recycle people want to stop producing more waste you just have to give them, give them a, give them an easy way to say yes. Like, let me look at, see what you're doing. I'll make a plan for you. All you have to do is say, okay. Like I said, it's a nonprofit at the end of the day. So after the workers are paid, it goes back into Michigan's environment. So kind of using, using the waste to, to actually improve the environment, like a double whammy. Oh yeah. That's cool. So is there a specific, uh, like thing you're supporting with that? Um, well, uh, not, not one specific. I have my own goals within the within the nonprofit to accomplish myself with buying land and doing some preservation and kind of make stricter rules around our coastlines and stuff. But like last year, there's a there's a city called Pontiac that's down down this way in Oakland County, and it's, they have some uh, low income neighborhoods that don't get enough attention, tax money and stuff from the city. And I have a friend who runs a, it's called Reroute Pontiac. It's another it's another nonprofit, and they lots of green infrastructure for the city. And uh, we donated our money last year towards their causes because they already had a, a whole plan set up and something to execute that would directly impact impact the lives around the area. Oh, that's cool. Last, just... last spring, soil sales went towards that. And this year, I haven't decided, but I'm hoping for a big spring. Okay. No, I was just kind of asking just to bring a, a highlight to it. You know what I mean? So yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But uh, so... Are, like, is this a formula that you've been, because I know you've been a grower for a while and a caregiver yeah, or whatever. 2006. Okay. Yeah. So you've been kind of running this in your own and, and developing. Well, yeah, like I've, like I was talking to you just before the show, I used to send, you know, I was on the, I was on the hunt on the internet on IC Mag every day. Who, what's the perfect recipe? What's the perfect yep. math? What's the perfect equation? You know, keep on sending stuff in. And I was consulting back then. So I'd, you know, it's kind of, you show someone a piece of paper, it was kind of like you're selling them, selling them an idea. If you do this, you'll be able to get those results. But there wasn't too much 
if an accident happened, you didn't know how to kind of come in and repair it exactly. And I was kind of chasing this dream around for quite some time. And then uh, switched over to more of a, a microbiome, increased the, increased the microbes, and they can they kind of do most of that work for you instead of having to have that, you know, specific recipe, so on and so forth. So I, I was all about the recipes up until about 2016, 17. And then I realized after you're done, there's always a whole bunch of shit in the soil still, you know, what, it's not like there's anything's reading zeros afterwards. Like you just hit something on the head. So there's just a different way to tackle it. And I was, then I thought instead of over nutriating a small pot, go a little bit bigger pot, a little smaller plant, less nutrients it can expand itself a little bit better and that you know that's where i'm at with it now but kind of went through a few different waves yeah no i i like it like i um you mentioned the microbiome and uh i, I guess uh, those pellets would be kind of like a biostimulant for that or is there yeah kind of well they do you know there's a uh microbiometer it's like a little it's a uh, what's a good way to put it? It's like a field test that you can read off your phone. Okay. It's uh, it tests how much, how much micro life is in the soil essentially. Like if you're kind of if you test sand versus a, a healthy compost, it would, there's a rating that's zero to nine hundred, I, I believe it is. You know, Jeff Lowenfels is also on the the team that that helps him with the knowledge and working behind that. But uh, being able to use that was, you know, I was able to test the pellets before or test the soil before using the pellets and then adding the pellets in there and test it, you know, every other day. And you can see an increase in the micro life right upon watering. So, you know, to answer your question, it, it does increase it right away. It gets right to work, gets right to life. You can see the bacteria count goes right up, starting to break it instantly down. Yeah. If you, if you, since there is compost in those pellets, compost it in, if you put it in a sealed bag, I mean, overnight, it's, it's like fuzzy. Yeah, they, they, even though they're dry to the touch, like glass, they feel like they still need to breathe because they're they're ready to bump. So that that kind of brings an interesting thought to this too. You said there's compost already in there, so like a lot of times when we're mixing uh, our own soil, say it's a coop mix or the, even the um, the super soils, one of the big variables that I've come across to learn is that you don't really know what you're nutrition was in your compost so to speak you know what i'm well, saying like yeah. that's so i'm glad you brought that up but next in sense, you've got it already tested as part of the package and that's kind of interesting well it's kind of a touched on a cool subject next next month i'm hoping to to fully release my compost business where it'll be you know bags bags for everybody by the cubic foot got a really really big production underway i'm real excited about okay. it's uh, it goes hand in hand with my pellets and the, the idea behind it is they're both made out of the same ingredients Essentially, the, the compost is several different stages of the pellets ingredients already broken down for like that same micro life to interact. It's nothing foreign, like you're using cow dung, then you're introducing guano and neem seed that none of those microbes essentially aren't bonded essentially with that compost yet. So this compost is like aged for, for about three years. It's aged hot compost and then ran through several different worm processes, you know, two different types of reds and then the earthworms for a nice finished, well-rounded product. Of all, and as it's aging all this time, I'm still taking the, the ingredients from the pellets and feeding the worms, feeding the compost to really, really charge it up as opposed to not having, you said compost makes such a difference. If you can have a, a, a low nutrient peat worm castings, that's not going to do that much or a super nutrient dense 
super aged, super fungal. A third of my mix is all mushroom substrates. And that biometer also tells you um, your fungal rating, the fungal bacteria, oh, really? all the fungal soils. All last summer, I was testing my outdoors and they're all through the roof, the ones that were high, highest in fungal activity. So that's been a it's been another great addition. And that's big thanks to Terrestrial Fungi. If you ever follow him online, he's a grand wizard on mushrooms, but he's, he's taught me a whole bunch starting in like 2017. I was able to escalate my understanding of the fungus role, you know, in compost and in your soil, as opposed to being a victim of numbers on a sheet and not really relying on your microbes like I used to. Actually, that's a, that's kind of a great topic. I mean, to kind of cover like what, um, I mean, everybody's kind of, the buzz has been fungal to bacteria ratio, right? And that's in the organic side. There's a lot of talk about that. So like, how would us as growers want fungal growth? What would be the benefits we would want us to think to see? Uh, hold on a second, you're breaking up for a minute. Can you hear me though? No, I was just wondering like what what thoughts would you have towards how we could improve fungal dominance and actually um, in our soils and actually encourage that kind of and what well, benefits might come from that for the plant? Well, like as as soil ages, you know, the the bacteria it gets more fungally dominant as it as it ages and a lot of bacteria waste and stuff condenses. And instead of being simple, simple pieces of carbon in the soil, there's these huge complex chains like hum humic acids and such. And, you know, it takes fungus, only fungus has the enzymes to break some of that stuff down to get some extra nutrients out of the soil where bacteria isn't equipped necessarily for that. So having aged, having a super aged soil and having more fungal dominance will bring more nutrient availability to the table. Like fresh, like a fresh compost is very high in bacteria because it's still breaking down. You know, when it's, when it's a good fungal one, it's like 70 to 30. It's like last summer, what I was experiencing, had all my best flawless stuff for having that nice fungal dominance. And anytime it just seems, you know, keeps getting better and better. I keep learning more and more. So is there a certain stage in the composting where the fungal grab hold? You keep mentioning it at 80, and I'm and I'm trying to lay up the question because I know, like, I know after there's a thermophilic, which where most of us are used to for compost, they, they run it through the hot heat cycles like that. And the biology does its work. And the biology is what's heating that up. But so that's not exactly fungal biology. Is that kind of what No, yeah, that's bacteria right away. Okay. You know, all that, all that hot composting. So, like, right away, when I get, let's say, a bunch of food waste, like the first six months, hot compost, high bacteria kind of get that water out, break it down initially. And then I actually like to cold compost. I actually don't even like to turn it. Once it's nice and turned, like for the first six months, I'll just let it sit. And then the fungal ratings start to go through the roof. The more you turn it, it'll, it'll start kicking back up the bacteria, which isn't bad. It'll start, you know, gassing off or using more nutrients. But the, the slow, the slow roll, fungal dominant compost, for me, it seems to be the best. Then after about a year and a half, two years, Red worms will finish all the rest of the raw waste. So they like that, you know, they're not, I don't like red worm castings essentially just from them. It seems like it still kind of smells and it's not at all done, but then it goes through the, the earthworms after that. And then 
and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But yeah, still yeah. fungally, fungally dominant, not rushed. You know, when someone gets a, a hot, steamy pile of compost and they're like, coming in hot. I'm like, oh, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, it's a little bit of a misconception, but just aged compost, and it's hard to find. You know, it's hard to find good compost, to be honest, especially on, especially for outdoor stuff in bulk. Well, again, you know, I expanded my operation. I have outdoor and indoor, so I'm hoping this year, you know, has a good push. It all goes towards a good cause. The outdoor stuff is just worms and hot compost. It's still aged for a few years, but the, the indoor stuff has the last stage of worms. So, yep. That's cool, man. So you've been, if you're looking to kick that off, you've already been running some of these for a few Oh, years. it's been years. It's been years. So, so many years trying to put it together and failing and failing and failing. But, you know, when you're, when you got your eye on a prize, it's not a, their hurdles, not roadblocks. No doubt, man. That's tough. Cause like you say, you know, you keep running into hurdles and, uh, and it is a really, it's a really great thing that you're doing. And that's kind of what Thanks. I'm. Yeah. One of the hurdles being like, the, you never understand how much uh, waste means to companies until you, until you start breaking contracts and then their lawyers want to talk to you. The trash game in Michigan is a big, a big thing that you don't want to touch that money. So it's been, you get some resistance to say the least. Oh, really? Like you're uh, like, they're not going to need the trash can as much because you're taking. Well, it's like they're most businesses are in contracts with the trash company and the trash company wants that money. So when they're, when you're not, uh, you're not filling up that bin and they're not making as much, you know, they, they want to know why, you know, so I had to go to court once and it was, but the, all their definitions are for waste. And once, since I'm making a product out of it, it's no longer waste. So it's kind of backdoored out of that situation, but still, still kind of funny when you think fucking people's trash, you get, you get in trouble for doing a good thing, but it's just interesting, but that's just one of the, you know, that's one of the hurdles. (laughs) No, and it is, it just speaks to our society, right? That's just their little, you collect these bins and we go put it here, you know, like now my bin's not full. That's a bad thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, ideally, we don't want shit in the landfill, and that's that's the end goal. Yeah, it? no, totally. Michigan has way too many. You know, who didn't love – like, I was going up north. Who didn't love growing up north when they were a kid? Now to see landfills and, you know, all that expanding needs to come to an end. And if the powers at hand aren't going to stop it, then we need to stop making the trash and take it out from underneath them. No doubt, man. Now, um, you know, like, I seen on your page, too, you were grinding up, uh, like, old stalks and stems from from say past harvest or trimming yep. jobs or whatever um what is that getting incorporated into the pellets or is there something that we can do with our own like in as a as own well, individual growers well what i did notice is that that i don't know if you remember i kind of took it in my hand and made like a, a it was like squishy it's almost like it was like a lint from a dryer with a little bit of like shaved wood chips in there you know it makes a uh, clone you can clone inside of it for one but i'm working on making a uh, a base soil that doesn't use peat or cocoa and kind of i'm trying to incorporate uh incorporate it into that with a good texture okay. but it, it's working great as a media so far and then uh kaya from pacific northwest roots suggested taking all the different parts of the plant and uh trying to make a pellet out of that and seeing how the plants might interact with you know, something just make from the seeds, like I was thinking 70% seed, you know, 15% stock, 15% leaf, maybe make some blends to get, just, I don't know, 
fuck oh, around. Shit, man. Hell yeah. Find That's something cool. Dude. That's badass. Yeah, totally. Uh, he's been on the show too, man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I watched that episode as well. Did yeah, you? Yeah. Right. That's dope, man. No, I was just looking like, uh, I know you were kind of saying how you were studying ingredients. And I know like a lot of the people listening, we're, we're kind of all on a similar mission, right? Like we want to grow high quality cannabis and that's kind of the goal. And then after that, we kind of want to reduce our costs, you know what I mean? And, and if we can recycle and regenerate some of that. Yeah. Stuff, that you know, yeah. Just like you said, it's a good point. It shouldn't, it shouldn't just stop at uh, trying to produce the bud. It should be more, especially of an organic grower, you know, you're doing it organic because you're making this relationship that the natural way is the best. So like leaving mylar packs or hash containers in your wake, like there's, there's some growing that needs to be taken. You know, we need to step the game up a little bit, you know, even the organic growers, even if, it, even if no one else sees the light yet, but once you're aware, you know, it's, it's hard not to be, then you're ignorant at that point. Yeah, no doubt. Are there easy suggestions you would have for somebody like, uh, you know, a lot of people maybe got a couple tents and, you know, they're, they're growing their 12 plants. Uh, is there easy ways they can kind of start composting or doing some of the things on their own? Um, I mean, recycling your stuff, obviously laying off, leaving the store with plastic in your hand, you know, I think is a, is a first one. You know, I think the biggest fear though, like, like learning to recycle trying to do it is like how do i know what i'm putting on you know like if i if i do something with my leaves say say i do a pruning on the i got all these leaves you know what am i actually adding if i if i make that into some kind of a ferment or something you know composted or whatever that's kind of where i think a lot of people get lost on that like they, yeah yeah no i hear you it's you know I've, i have a couple acres so it's easy for me to say go throw it in your compost pile when you know, maybe not everyone has that at their house, but what I'm offering within my business as well is uh, fully recycling. Let's say if someone wants a whole, you know, warehouse full of, uh, you know, 25 gallon pots of soil, they don't want to, they don't want to risk reusing it, reusing it and not having the same results. So it'll be like a, a loan or a contract where I'll come pick up the old stuff and anything else they want to recycle and I'll do the recycling for it. And I'll give them fresh stuff if oh, someone yeah. can't if someone can't do it on their own. That's a big thing I'm trying to, you know, a lot of big warehouse grows say it's inconvenient or they can't do it. You no, know, so I'm trying to really push that button, big, well, I'll do it for you. If that means you'll start growing organic bud, you know, instead of putting it on them and them taking the easy way out, there are options, you know. So I'm trying to carve carve out as many as possible towards an easy path for people and not so much of a struggle. No, it's an interesting niche too, because I know like a lot of the commercial stuff, they got to like, they have to document how they dispose of some of that waste too. Like they can't just throw seeds and, you know, leaves right. and stems into the trash or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. No, I think, it, you know, it'd be a good fit if people would want to, people love the bud, but when you start throwing in a different way of growing, getting out of that comfort spot, people don't want messes with their money and stuff. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard bridge to gap, but it makes these pellets are so simple. I mean, as long as you like I said in a month when I have my compost, which, which, which is what I would recommend as opposed to, you know, something else, but essentially just throw a couple handfuls of pellets on the bottom, plant your plant and just water. Okay. You know, it's, it's pretty simple for a lot of people that are worried about bridging that gap and not knowing what to do, confused about a bunch of KNF recipes or, you know, you can tinker with that stuff 
as the as the guy who runs my website says, and people often ask that question, he's like, until you're getting at least an ounce a gallon just watering, don't even start tinkering with microbes or some sort of addition. Okay. Just, just properly watering your plant will get you well over an ounce per gallon, and then start tinkering as opposed to all these different concoctions when you're you're not even at a solid place yet. I love that. Cause that's something that I've been hitting on really serious for myself actually is like, I think, I think, you know, as, a, as you get years under your belt, you kind of take for granted how important watering is. You oh, know? It's, and then the more experience you get, the more you realize it just comes right back to that, that detail. And everything. Detail. Like I said, I've, I've consulted a lot of places and I've said every single, every single person's issues either over or under watering. And it's like 50% of the yield. I got this, this fellow in Clarkson. He's 75. He's half blind. He, he can't, he can barely see, you know, and he's, he's not, he's not that much of a gardener. It took him a couple years to get, but just watering He's at 22 ounces in a 10 gallon pot. And he can't see, he just does it by feel. And uh, he's crushing it. I haven't even got that, you know, even with some sort of microbe addition. So just getting, you know, until you're there, until you're there with just water, uh, you know, wasting money or time on the other stuff. You really need to focus on the, the main essential of the, the watering of the plant, which I'm a big fan of bottom watering myself. Have a nice mulch layer on top. And I, if you're in a saucer, I keep like maybe a quarter, quarter to an eighth of an inch, just nonstop in the bottom of the tray. And then you, I mean, the roots be growing over the tray outside of it. Rarely ever from the top, just little, almost like a little dripper every day, just in the tray that's you know it's 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 heavy but it never gets dry you know even if your pot dries a third of the way you know and you're that's a third of the plant that's not being supported as it previously was so once that once that root system gets filled there's no oh wait till they're light i like to tease them a little bit no 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 you know i was having that little bit in the bottom will never overwater it if it doesn't dry up in a day then you know it's content for a little bit type thing but watering watering is everything you know, in, in my opinion, I don't even add any additions. Uh, sometimes a sprouted CT, but you know, I'm just, I'm a big fan of watering, just having the right, the right compost and the right system in place for water to do its thing. No doubt, man. That's uh, it's like a lot of, so many of the real experienced guys in the organic there. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it comes back to, you know, and it's so funny yeah. that it's always that. Like I said, every, every single person I've ever seen grow up at, going through their first grows, it's always over underwatering every single time. Yeah. And then I said, it's, you kind of get that stamped in your head when you, when you're prob trying to problem solve for people, they like, will start with this and normally it just always corrects itself every time. Yeah, no, I, I, I just chuckle, man. Cause honestly, I've been learning this lesson myself here recently. So it's kind of, yeah, no, I constantly, constantly, it's never ending. Once I get comfortable with it, I take advantage of it. And then I'm back right back where I started from. Yeah. But, no, it's good. Is there a particular uh, media, like, so if somebody's buying a soil and they want to, they're intending on running the pellets, is, is there a media that you suggest to start with? Uh, just just for uh, testing purposes, I did it with Ocean Forest just because it's widely available, and I've tested it a million times over the years. But just o essentially Ocean Forest has a high CEC of, like, 50, so it has the ability to take in, take in a lot of the pellets, you know, still add maybe a a cup per pound in a 10 gallon pot, maybe a two and a half, three pounds of pellets. Okay. Two cups of compost and you can fill the whole thing up with ocean. You'll, 
you know, it'll rock out even for more than one round. So you're putting the pellets in the bottom, you said, right? Yep. Yep. Kind of like a super soil. Like you don't want to mix them globally. You know, that, that could be a way to burn it. I put it at the bottom like you would, like, you know, like it would a super soil. I'll put a little bit of soil down there, mix them in the bottom. Then the rest of the pot is for like breathing space. Okay. Not, you know, not too hot. And okay. then if you, if you want about second week of flower, you're familiar with like spikes, like from the Rev, that TLO book. Yeah. Making little nutrient spikes around the pot, kind of making little tunnels as opposed to, you know, globally mixing them. Okay. That's just for the flower. The veg and the no-till are, are you can pretty liberally put them down. They're not going to burn anything because they have much lower concentration. Like I said, them uh, flower ones right now are hot, to say the least. Yeah. No, it was uh, having great results. Different too with the flower, like you know, the other ones you're putting in the bottom and then trying to deliver the the flowering ones is yeah, you're not transplanting second week in flower, right? Like, right. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, Everything's working out well. I just uh, on my story today, I have one of my strains for my breeding. This OGKB Sunshine Black Fauna that I made it's coming out pink and red. And that was their that was their first time ever using the pellets. You know, and, and that grow that I put in my, it's on my story right now is their first time ever using them, and they absolutely crushed it. You know, no no guidance or nothing. I they just gave it to them and the strains, and they just killed it. No questions asked. You know, they, I'm sure if things were going bad, they would have asked a question, but it just nonstop the entire time. That's like, awesome. Just water only. It makes you feel good, man. Like it does. It does. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's a cool experience it really is and it's cool that uh you know i understand it because i spend so much time working on it but it's cool for someone that is unfamiliar with it to have to build such a good relationship right away and have good results and now he just asked me for uh, like a couple hundred plants worth of pellets i'm like you know and he was he was uh using something different in the past but can't deny the results especially when it's that easy Hell yeah, man. That's awesome, dude. Yep, and they're all pH buffed and stuff, so they're not going to drive your pH down or nothing like that, like CalCarb. I try to stay away from the sulfates, salts and stuff, but they're on hand if you need them, obviously. But I don't really put them in the pellets, like the gypsum or the Epsom salt, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, heavy metals, a lot of people are concerned with and recycling like when you do your testing, they're looking for that as well, right? Like, oh yeah, totally. You know, arsenic's a big one. And sometimes you'll come across some amendments from stores and they're, they're full of it. You know, like azomite and stuff. It's, you know, it's pretty surprising that you'd never, what you'd never think. So that's how I kind of use the testing lab now. Uh, I'll, I'll send stuff in for uh, toxicity stuff. If, I, if I'm picking up a new client, let's say for a lot of brewery grain that I want to use, excuse me, in my pellets. I'll send it in to see, you know, where they source and their stuff from. Is there some, some metals lingering in there where once it gets condensed, there's going to be some sort of, you know, negative effects in the soil. So that's why I use a lab nowadays. And for before and after, I'll like test a soil before using it and after. See what the difference is. See how much the pellets have provided. Okay. Um, out of curiosity, are there any ones that really caught your eye as far as being pretty bad or contaminated right <laughs> like, nope, oh, nope. No. surprisingly not everything everything i'm just so surprised when i'm looking at all these results everything has so much stuff in it all the time the real surprise is that again we're shipping oyster shell in from across the country when we're throwing away eggshells here every day 
It's like he just threw this away and he went and bought it from the store. I you love know, it. You start connect those dots. It's, it's you start looking at the world a little bit differently. It's pretty I'm, fun. I'm guilty of it too, man. Oh like, no, we all are. We all are every day. Yeah, like <laughs> well, it's I, a victim of the of the world we live in. And we're conditioned to be that way. It's gotta break those barriers down now. Yeah, just recently, like this last soil mix was when I was really kind of trying to think differently about okay, am I gonna order oyster shell or or can I just go to my local farm and fleet and buy oyster shell that's already there for chickens you know what I mean? yeah, <laughs> like it's the right. same shit right yeah. no no exactly yeah there's a lot lot and it's probably cheaper too than than going to the, your little local hydro yeah. store. no it's all there's stuff all around us to use and really i feel like i'm just scratching the surface you know this is just hopefully just scratching the surface it seems like there's so much more to get into when you start looking at the world different when you start looking at stuff like that getting into hospitals We've been in like school systems, like uh, in Oakland County, got them to use all paper trays. So then, so then all the cafeteria lunches are on paper trays, and we take the trays afterwards. And you know, add, it's great carbon for the compost, as opposed to that school has a lot, lot more less waste. You know, it makes an impact to the kids too. I think when you're that young of an age, it makes a difference as opposed to trying to play catch up when you're older, and you're stuck in your ways more or whatnot. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Tapping into new systems. You know, I've said restaurants right now and breweries is convenient cause food waste, but there's other companies out there that produce stuff that have waste, you know, to, to tackle. Yeah. So until, until there's no more, you know, there's always going to be uh, a way to recycle it. So. Right. And then hopefully there's always people like you that are trying to figure out ways to do that too. Yeah. Thanks. I'm hoping this inspires more people. I mean, essentially it'd be cool. Like if I had this, the same business down in Florida, I can maybe have a different set of amendments to make the soil with, but still come get the same result just based on what part of the country do you live in or the world? What's the typical diet in this area? What's the common waste? You know, it's, it'd be kind of cool for people to unite and have all these different blends, you know, from local where they live, as opposed to one common idea that's shipped all around the country. You know, it'd clean up the environment as well. That'd be pretty badass. Well, I was just going to say, nobody can monopolize that either. Right? No, exactly. No, yeah, power to the people on that. Yep, no doubt, man. So you mentioned eggshells. So I got some eggshells. Um, what kind of, if I was mixing up um, some soil, I mean, is that kind of like a direct replacement for oh, yeah. yep. oyster yep. shell right yep. in there? So if I was doing 10 pounds of oyster shell, I can do 10 yep. pounds. Yep, I mean, they're, they're within like a couple percentages of each other. And it probably depending on the oyster shell you get or the eggs. Okay. I just got some results back. I'll post them online after this of uh, the calcium between the eggshells and the oyster. You know, so I'll, I'll, I don't have them on me, on me, but I will post it after this or send it to you so you can check them out. But yeah, direct replacement. It also, you know, buffers the pH. You know, it's really hard to not have good pH if you have a lot of eggshells in there. And there's a lot of extra minerals that people don't really think about. Minerals like the micros and... Yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, so if you're, let's say I'm placing, let's say I'm replacing kelp with avocado for the potassium, but doesn't really have all the minerals in there. You know, that could be maybe a supplement for some of that and kind of rebuild it, rebuild it a different way. But yeah, exactly. You know, I, I dehydrate mine and mill them for eggshells, get them to a fine powder. So you're but, sorting all this stuff and doing these uh, different times too. That's a, oh yeah. that's a lot of yep. work. Yep, it is. No, I, have a, I have a great team of guys. I have a great group of people that uh, that believe in the mission and they're out, you know, out, out there every day, 
either picking something up, dropping something off, making pellets, grinding shit down. It's, it's great. It's great work. Every single thing is a direct impact to our environment. You know, every single purchase made, even though the money goes towards the environment, the purchase itself is, you know, direct waste that would have been sitting in a landfill for who knows how long. So, you know, it's cool. Oh, it's sitting there turning into methane gas. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, so every, every, every purchase is direct, has direct impact to Michigan's environment, you know, in several facets, which is a real cool, uh, real cool feeling. Good, puts a lot of steam in the engine. You know, to keep it going, to keep it going. Yeah, we're growing better buds out of people's trash. Well, like I said, while people are in the store buying buying trash, actually, to grow their plants with. I'll grow out your trash can. <laughs> better than you will going to spend 200 bucks at the store. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Like, it's true, man. I mean, that's kind of the eye-opening piece about it. Like, it's... Um... You know, I kind of started thinking that similar too, even to the point where like, you know, I mulch with straw and, and, um, you know, shout out to like Scott and uh, Sarah's games from impressive. Like they talk a lot about that, like just recycle your stems back instead of using straw, the stems kind yeah. of, <laughs> there you go. You know what I mean? They work similar. So like, yeah, no, exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's the mindset to have. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, reuse, reuse, reuse. Yeah. So um, you mentioned a website. Is that different? Is there a different place to get? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, because the sales go through the nonprofits. Happycoast.org, H-A-P-P-Y-C-O-A-S-T dot org, O-R-G. We just got it back up and running. So it's a little bit, it has everything for sale on there and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I'm going to style it out here shortly. You know, accomplishes the goal. Things are available for sale. Kind of gives a heads up on uh, when compost will be available in the spring, how to place pellet orders. Gotcha. Yeah, because that compost is interesting, man. That's always uh... yeah. It's been it's been so many years of me working on this. Like I said, even to have one batch done is what already waiting several years. Let alone developing the idea of test. You know, getting it to that point of where you have a product that you can use. You know, right. it's a been a long way it's been a long way coming but you know the compost is huge and last summer i grew a plant just on my compost zero amendments like i had some pots uh a whole bunch of outdoor pots i put like 30 pounds of fertilizer pellets in there and uh you know grow nice plants several you know four or five pounds on them and out of my compost plant that just grew out of one of my piles that was unturned zero amendment zero anything you know the biggest baddest one of them all Zero, zero amendments because just the compost is the yeah it was in back the backbone of the whole thing and uh, the pellets are there for backup no that's eye-opening man it's, um like i that's the other thing i always kind of see or i've run into myself is like well how much are we trying to feed these things and it, oh, oh it's i mean it's pretty much toxic you know how much we're shoving down there it's a that's a toxic hot zone of 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 a lot of stuff it's really not necessary if you have proper biome and really it comes down for me as root space when something has unlimited root space you don't run into all these confines where you're trying to you know jump through hoops on how much calcium levels or this or that when really unlimited root space and good compost there's unlimited everything for infinity it's like that compost pile is probably on 2,000 gallons of soil you know so it had the root space to 
to, to, to find out what it needed to within within its uh, space, as opposed to a 200 gallon pot, you know, just the, the confinement seems to be the issue and the toxicity of to 30 pounds of, of shit down there, just, to, you know, just to back it up. Not to say one way's right or one way's wrong, but you know, if you're, uh, if, if you're worried about money and you can just use compost and not 30 pounds of fertilizer for a plant, it's a, it's a good start right there. No doubt. You know, and I think we always underestimate how much, um, you know, how much nutrient is actually in the organic matter, you know, like, Oh, totally. Like like I said, several years of adding biochar and loading up that biochar and keep on feeding that compost where it's, it is nutrient dense, but passively, you know, there's a lot of nutrients in it, but it's not ready to to kill a plant, so to speak, if you're to plant directly in it. Well, it's not a chemical nutrient, right? It's tied up in biology. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said the word passively. It's kind of, it's bonded to stuff to where you could plant something in there. It'll be gentle, but has long-term shelf life for whatever you need. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, but that's the way, you know, that's the way to go for me is having that real nice compost and not all compost is the same. Yeah, just curious, like what kind of area are you talking on the operation here? Cause I'm just picturing you saving a bunch of stuff and sorting it all out. Like it's, uh, Oh, yeah, no, it's, you know, it can be pretty big. You know, there's several, several different spots. Before COVID, we were probably at like 120 restaurants and schools and stuff like that. And everything got shut down. You know, it's, it's a lot of work. So you have to turn that stuff quick. You know, those first couple of weeks can be, uh, can start smelling if you don't, if you don't uh, take care of that stuff. But yeah, you know, it's, we process it though. Like in the winter time right now, we dehydrate everything mill it down quick into a powder it's not really like too much stuff sitting around but you know i have a few acres of land and uh like i said we have this new facility downtown it's four plus acres and fifty thousand square feet so we're gonna be we're, ste- we're stepping the game up that's all gonna be for the pellets and the compost yep, okay. yep. all right yep. there's a property next door i'm trying to acquire so i can get one of them into the rec facility and then compost the place next door but either way, you know, stepping stepping it up nonetheless. But I do all the compost at my house right now. Several piles, turned, unturned. Right. Yeah. Well, it's got to start somewhere, man. You can't just. Oh yeah, totally. Like I said, I was downtown before, and uh, got kicked out of the city because uh, that, that waste management stuff. So I went, had to go undercover for a minute at my house before I could uh, get my ducks in a row to reattack. Okay. That's funny, man. That that it led to that too. Like they were just that. Oh, was it's hilarious! Now, you know, like it just makes like, me want to dig down deeper too. You know, to uh, change the ways. It's so old world thinking to 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 favor a trash company over a cycling company or any, or anything of the matter. They're not even doing it as a city. Your citizens are trying to do it for you, and you're still saying no. <laughs> like, what the hell is the matter with you? It's like, yeah, you're probably in the idiocracy movie, right? <laughs> no, that's exactly what it feels like. You're like, ay, 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 <laughs> every time. No, that's true, man. I dig it. Um, somebody in chat, or Ego is asking where, again, and I'm going to repeat it, happycoast.org is where to buy it. So. Yep. I tried typing it in there. I didn't get the WWs on it, though, so I don't yeah. care. <laughs> That's cool, man. So did you grow up in Detroit then? Is that? Oh, yep. I was born in Dearborn. Okay. Uh, grew up downriver. It's like 10 minutes south of Detroit. Right, right. On, man. Yep. And now I live uh, northern Oakland County, about a half hour north of the city. Okay. Yep. Been around here my whole life. 
That's what's up, man. Trying to keep it real cool. Yeah, and kind of what what kind of started some of this. The whole for me was uh, my mom had cancer, uh, mid two thousand brain cancer, and uh, she wanted to do the Simpson oil and the need for organic uh, material in the mid two thousands was kind of obsolete around here. Uh, you know, at least amongst my friends, it wasn't much of a movement. Even the organic food world still wasn't doing the big push like it has now. But uh, well, my mom's cancer-free now and all that. So, you know, right. the, the symptom oil was like a huge, a huge turnaround of the need for organic medicine. And, you know, that was kind of a driving force. And that was actually, you know, because of all the pollution surrounding the city, which is kind of one of the driving forces for the environmental nonprofit to clean up what the city's being ignorant to and, you know, trying to affect people's lives in a better way. So, so to go that through, through that experience with my mom and her cancer growing up, uh, kind of like tattooed that in my brain of, you know, these, these effects of, you know, uh, poor management on some of these facilities and our nature and the air we breathe and the quality of our water. And if uh, this city's not going to make a difference, then, you know, use, use their neglect against them and take that, take that trash and build up, uh, you know, build up the finances to do it herself. So that's kind of, uh, you know, growing up in the city, uh, kind of influence that as well yeah man no it's uh it's pretty awesome i mean really it's just uh there's a lot of us like me I'm, I'm guilty of this myself i'll sit around and talk about it but yeah i'm not all this well yeah, i mean we all you know it's life's hard <laughs> you know we have so much stuff that we have to do and it's it's just not easy but yeah it's nice to have, awareness is the first step you know and then the more you talk about it the more easier it becomes and that's kind of what I've started to like uh, taking my stems and my trimming leaves. And actually, I, I just did a six foot circle out in the backyard of the um, the chick, not chicken wire fence, but kind of just a little metal fencing kind of thing. Sure. And then I've just been throwing it in there and it's pretty much cool. I haven't turned it or nothing. I've just been kind of adding on to it every time. And then I go out in the spring and return it. But that was kind of my little attempt at trying to. Hey, no, that's a that's a spark. You know, like I said, those first those first couple steps, and everything else becomes easier. You know, just getting over that, getting over the hump. Essentially, it's not necessarily like it's something it's something that was programmed into us. It's not like it was a choice growing up, like oh, I want to be this wasteful person. But we're not taught we're not taught the severity of that growing up. So then we're we're forced to make a change as an adult, as opposed to having the awareness as a child. So it's nice, you know, our, it's our generation's responsibility to, to, to break that change. And, you know, kids can grow up in, in that different environment where it's not going to be as tough. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, man. <laughs> I don't know. But I agree with you. It's not something that we were raised to naturally want to, you know what I mean? We just right. get used to throwing things in the trash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, things just don't throw away. They still they go somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we our, our mind kind of shuts off when we shut that can door. You know, you throw it away, and it, you know, your mind stops thinking about it at that point. But really, there's a whole journey <laughs> that goes on after that. It's not, you know, just you know, one step every generation. We keep getting better. Yeah, no doubt, man. And, uh, um, I just had a question too in the top of my head, but uh, so um. Have you tried running pellets with like a just a straight cocoa kind of a mix? I have. Yep. I just finished. I just finished a crop. Okay. Like in my last, uh, my last uh, 
flower, I'd had a couple of different samples set up with uh, super soil, some with not. And uh, lucky enough, I had a friend give me some plants that were in uh, like two and a half gallon cocoa pots that were already pretty decent sized. And I just took them to pound town with the pellets and yeah. uh, oh, yep, almost got an ounce per gallon. But so I was like first, first time attempt, you know, I didn't add any compost either. So I was thinking maybe mixing compost in with it next time could get a little bit better result, but it was all cocoa and just kept on top dressing like every 10 days. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it had its color. It wasn't the biggest, wasn't the biggest plant, but it wasn't uh, deprived in yellow or anything. It was still fully lush. So that was cool. Yeah. And it was definitely something to play with more on this next batch. Yeah, that'd be interesting because I know a lot of people really are fond of using the cocoa as a media. And, and, yeah, uh, no, actually, it's funny you said that. I had someone ask, I had someone ask me today about it, if how they how well they work with the cocoa. So I'm thinking like uh, I, know, I have a few different ways of tackling it. Cause yeah, people like the way the moisture and you know they're they're attached to that style of watering and that works for them. So that's fine. You know, everyone has their own their own stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get it where it's you know over ounce per gallon. So maybe you have to add more pellets or spike them in, or maybe mix a little bit more compost and spike them in to where you're not really messing up the, the media, but just a couple few spikes can you know, maybe go a long way with a little bit of compost in there or the right compost rather. So when you say an ounce per gallon, you're talking like a seven gallon pot, you'd get seven ounces from. Is right. That, yeah. That's an interesting uh, metric that you're using there because a lot of times, it's grams per watt or it's you know ounces per light or something but you're referring to it in terms of root space yeah like how much uh how much you're pulling out of that pot because for me it's uh root space is organic gardening it's it to me that's what it is it's not necessarily the the, the light per watt bit if you, it's how many it's how big a gallon pots that you're in you know if, if i try to have three under three under a light, like three 10 gallon pots, get them 12 ounces a piece, you know, just over ounce per gallon and over two, two and a half pounds of light, you know, without CO2. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I kind of judge it. Uh, how someone uses their soil, you know, how much is in that baby and how much you're trying to pull out of it. Well, it's just, I'm just thinking in my head, cause I run four number 15 pots under one fixture and, and probably like, one of the best I've done was like right around a gram and a half, but it's like a thousand grams off from that, those four, we could put four, it right around two fifty. Four fifteen gallon pots. Yeah, it'd be right just under what, 10, 10 ounces then out of the 15. So that ain't even close to the, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you still, it looks like your canopies are still always pretty full. Yeah, yeah, know? no. Like there's there's still a lot left in that soil when you're done, so to speak. Yeah as opposed to just having three plants underneath them. And yeah. it's an interesting metric with that because I know um, I was running number 10s and the reason I went to number 15s was that whole idea you just discussed, you know, like given the, the more root zone, the more, and the other thought I had was the more media that I was given the plant was actually like a bigger battery, so to speak, to charge. Yeah. The system. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I like to think of it as breathing room. It's like small plant, big pot. As I look up, think of my outdoor compost pile plant often with that 2000 gallons of compost, just one plant didn't have any, didn't have any limits at all. If I were to start restricting that root space is when you start seeing the limits. Okay. So, you know, I just, so that's how I gauge it with the ounce per gallon kind of tells me how someone's watering. Cause I know what that pot's capable of. I know what those pellets can produce. 
So if someone, if I, if I'm, someone's pulling 15 ounces out of a 10 gallon and someone in the same situation is pulling six, it just gives me a window in of how to attack what they're doing. No, it's, it's often a consultant basis. So it gives me a, it's a good way for me to understand it and explain it to them. So everyone, for people that I consult, they have the same amount of plants under the same amount of lights should relatively perform similar. Yep. Well, I agree. That's cool. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that metric. Cause it, uh, it didn't pan out to be exactly, you know, like, I guess that was a 50% increase in the soil or whatever, but, um, it didn't pan out to be that, but it definitely was an increase in, in yield. So, I mean, that, that was kind of a, a noticeable thing I noticed too, was like, yeah, the volume of soil did, did matter to the system. I think there's some other metrics I can kind of adjust to actually get that improved more. But. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's more many ways to look at it, but it says I'm always coming from the soil standpoint because that's why people are often hire me. It's like, how much can I get per pot? Like, well, this is how I break it down. Do you make your own soils, or are you just much like you, I know you mentioned ocean forest because it was popular, but that didn't necessarily mean. Yeah, I yeah I, I make all my own stuff. I do that. I do those for tests for people. You know, if they're using my pellets, you need to go buy something from the store. I've I've been on I've been on back order for soil for about five years. I've never ever been able to catch up to the to the demand. But I'm no. hoping I said about three weeks away I should start having like a thousand bags at least a month. You know, that that at least be a decent start of uh, playing catch up and getting it out there while I'm still expanding on top of that. But yeah, soon enough, they'll be, soon enough, they'll all be available and they, they do work best with the pellets because it's like I said, it's all the same ingredients, all different parts of those ingredients, life cycle, so all those microbes from every stage of composting that stuff down is already present. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. So I didn't really, yeah, you're mixing your own soil too. Did, is that your own recipe or like, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah, your own recipe, but I'm just... Right now, I'm still using like a little bit of cocoa and peat and all the compost and amendments are mine but like i was saying earlier i'm trying to i'm trying to make my own media without the cocoa or peat or something that can still right now it looks like one and done type soil it could be broken down by the time i finish but uh i'm working on it you know yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get that it'd be, it'd be cool to have a base a base soil that's all recycled that didn't have to outsource the cocoa or the peat no doubt dude it's hard enough to find a base soil that doesn't have perlite in it so. <laughs> yeah no shit <laughs> well mine won't <laughs> well, it is i mean it's yeah it's not what the the community or the you know it's just not what the market was traditionally doing right it was that one and done kind of soil and yeah perlite works it's white it, it functions well so. yeah no exactly remember you said you have a uh, sand and pea gravel in your in your pots yeah and i said that makes it heavy you know, as far as also lugging that stuff around and it, the workload's already hard enough. Kind of... Yeah, that is, that is definitely something that it added to it. I mean, it's, uh, I feel it for sure now. The difference. Is just... Yeah. No. And like for some, for some, you know, might, like I said, that one blind guy feels, uh, by how heavy the pot is. So like stones and sand might mess that, uh, how you judge how wet your pot is and stuff. That's exactly what I'm battling. That's exactly what I'm about. So I re-amended some of the pots. So when I took the number 10 and I added the sand and pea gravel to it to make it the number 15, well, I never weighed how many pebbles, you know what I mean? How much pea gravel and how much sand 
Right. So ideally, if I would have weighed all those and I would have made all the pots weigh equally to begin with, then I would have had some ground to go on. But yeah. right now, <laughs> totally doesn't. Yeah, the weight can be totally different between pots, and it doesn't matter at all what the moisture content is in that. Water right. that yeah, that's where the that's where the bottom feeding kind of comes yeah. into the bottom watering. You know how knowing how wet the tray is, I suppose. You know, as opposed to always watering from the top, but. No, there's a million ways to build a soil, and it's always fun. Like yeah. I've, been, I've been working on uh, taking recycled glass or glass that's found, put it through a uh, rock tumbler, and then you get a whole bunch of little uh, pea-sized, pea-sized marbles, you know, at the end of the day. So I was trying to, like, find something that I could recycle to, to use as an amendment in the soil that's not uh, outsourced from somewhere. It still keeps the recycling mindset in, in, in play. So stuff like that, you know, just like uh, people, I use sometimes use the hydrogen clay balls on the top for a mulch, just to keep that like a couple inches on top to keep it moist. It would also work well, work well there. That's and, interesting. But, yeah, I haven't heard that on the top before, but yeah, just had them have them laying around. Just put like three, four inches on top, keep, keeps the moisture. And if I'm not doing like a living mulch on that on that round or whatnot, sure. I typically like to do my microgreens and my sprouts as my uh, living mulch okay so, so, I can, so i can eat them i can munch them down and all that obviously see that's cool so you grow your microgreens right in the pot and then uh, yeah yeah exactly what you want and then just mulch the rest down and... yep exactly oh yeah never, never ending greens i've always been contemplating throwing like strawberries off to the side or something in a pot and just have some yeah yeah me too that one guy was telling you about the 22 ounces in a 10 gallon pot and i was like man i had to go over his house and see it for myself the only new thing that he started doing was he picked up a, a habanero growing and the whole entire room had like 40 habanero plants in there oh, sure. and then, he had that, then he had that one plant they just watered i'm like i've never got 22 ounces in a 10 gallon pot on a like, third of a light you know he had, the, he had two other plants under that light i'm like hmm maybe these fucking habaneros have something to do with it it was the only other difference. And there is obviously a lot of companion planning uh, knowledge out there to read upon, but it just, uh, you know, it just sparked an idea in my head that I thought was pretty funny as far as variables go. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, peppers are kind of becoming a popular one too because they they'll house the um, beneficial insects. So yeah, totally. on to something with habaneros. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking the top to bottom habaneros everywhere. It wasn't just like a plant in the corner. I was like, dang, this was kind of cool. You know, made me made me think. So there's definitely a lot of energy in there. Pep, more pepper than cannabis. You know, there it was a force. <laughs> so, I yeah, I'll I'll think about I'll think about doing it and not telling anybody, <laughs> just to see if I uh, had some outrageous yields or something like you did. But yeah, it was fun. No, I, that's interesting stuff, man. I like uh, I like the aspect of that where you're talking like, yeah, they might have been vibing at a different, you know, a different yeah. level than the plant was ever used to, and it made it, yeah, made exactly. it faster, you know. Yep, that's that's how I thought about it. Yeah. Do you ever? Uh, um, I know you mentioned the glass. I've actually used those uh, Growstone. They had that out for a while, and then the company got shut down or something, but. Where they closed down, but yeah, my media on one of the mixes I did, so yeah, the, the glass actually worked fairly well for yeah. me. And there's unlimited amount everywhere, 
like broken around the streets of Detroit. So it's another tactic that could clean up and turn it into a useful, useful product. It looks kind of cool too. If you get some different colored glass, you get, you know, green and blue and brown, a little multicolor. Yeah. Yeah. It looks kind of cool. I bet it does. It looks badass. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, is there, um, I, I don't know if there's anything else you're, uh, wanting to get out or whatever otherwise i'm gonna kind of bullshit with you here but um i didn't write any stuff down either so uh nope the only the only the only other question that i wanted to answer that some uh some people had asked me online was that uh like what kind of variables would kind of affect someone using the pellets that would that would have like a negative result and uh uh we already talked on watering obviously to me it 50% of the your yield is going to be how how much you pay attention to your watering. Yeah. That'll be one. The plant size in the pot we went over as well with uh, some huge plant in a small pot. doesn't matter how many pellets or whatever you have in there. You're going to have a rough time as opposed to, you know, bigger root space. Some people get that confused when they switch over from a, a soil, like a hydro system or something or cocoa. You can get a huge plant in a three-gallon pot if you're feeding it liquids that doesn't translate to, to the organic soil world. So you really need to, to beef up that root zone to, to accommodate the plant above, to above ground as well. And then uh, one other thing was uh, how people trellis is a little bit, makes it a little bit different too. If some people are super aggressive scroggers, uh, yeah, you're going to be pulling more out of your soil than someone who's just maybe bambooing a couple branches out and don't have necessarily all those auctions at the plant tip like someone would who's intensely scrogging, then I'd say, you know, maybe increase the dose 30% on the pellets just because you're, you're going to be pulling a lot more out of the soil as well. And those are really the only variables that I've come across where people can have varying uh, results. Yeah, man. It's pretty, no. pretty standard stuff too for, you know, about any, anything you're using, but that was just, uh, you know, what I could come up with. So you're saying when you're scrogging aggressively, that's mainly because the, the plant's bigger, right? You're getting more by Right. And then like, you know, all the, every, all the auctions are uneven. All the plant tips are all essentially at the very top, the same distance from the light, not some three feet up here and some, you know, three feet below where the plant's not going to really be pulling as much out of the pot. Just a, you know, some people go completely super, super scrawled, like, you know, completely trimmed up to the, to the screen and completely fan sideways. And those, typically uh, will burn through the burn through a soil my pellets a lot faster than you know just a classic bam, classic bamboo staking and they'll be like an older plant too is that kind of why or yeah i mean that makes sense you know it's pulled more out to get to that point as well so it's another it's another variable to it but nonetheless a variable no i guess i'm picturing in my head too scrogging it out and you were, you mentioned the oxen so yeah i mean you would have more more uh competing dominant tips yeah. growing totally the, the metabolism of the plant is way way more through the roof than you know someone who doesn't that's not that aggressive with that so just all things to keep in mind when when building a pot and building a soil you know to kind of have a vision of what it's going to go through by the time it's done sometimes it takes two or three rounds to get used to something new but you know having it's pretty comfortable. I said first time around, people are having great results. I can imagine by the third time, 
when they start to understand it a little bit and dial it into themselves, even, you know, take those results to a new place, to a new height with just water. Right. And that's, that's cool, man. And recycled shit. And, uh, yeah, totally. It really, it really punks the system currently of, uh, you know, the, how many people are just pumping out plastic bottles in the name of a medicinal plant, people getting rich in the wrong ways. I think this, this truly gives back to the, the spirit of the cannabis more so uh, bringing it back to helping the earth out in a medicinal factor than, uh, you know, driving it for driving it for dough, essentially, than leaving trash in your wake. Right, exactly. Because that's, yeah, oh, I do. You mentioned a, a term, and I'm just going to kind of throw this out for discussion, but um, plant met metabolism, metabolic rate, and it's really metabolizing fast. And I just want to kind of break that up a little bit for people listening. Like, what are you talking about there? When like, uh, how fast? Like, you can obviously see when, when you're having good growth. Like, when someone will overwater their plant, uh, that, that metabolism has just slowed down big time. Now that you just suffocated the roots, it's not uh, processing as fast. It's not growing as fast. And even if you, once you correct that problem, it's not like the metabolism kicks right back up and starts processing and synthesizing nutrients and going through photosynthesis as, you know, as effectively as it would in a, you know, quote unquote, perfect environment, if there's ever such a thing, but to, to keep that plant healthy, that's what, again, back to the bottom watering it, to me, that keeps it thriving so much because you're never, that variable is now removed of, of, uh, under overwatering, but essentially one of the metabolism to me is always directly related to that you know, plant health, but overall it's, for me, it's always watering. Unless you're super scorching your plant, you know, with the light issue, but I was that's, that's what bring like work, right? Like it's the amount of work that like, uh, like Michael Phelps, for example, swims in a pool for however many hours a day, he burns so many more calories doing that. That's his body's metabolism, doing that work, burning those calories. And that's why he can eat three chickens and, whatever is on yeah. his mind to eat right and me and you right. i i don't swim that much i'm assuming you don't but nope. you know what i'm saying like we don't no, do exactly. that kind of burning of calories and i think it's similar with them plants is what you're getting at oh there. yeah no that's There's exactly good, good way to to relate that to that it's a good way to, a good example for that but it's exactly it like unless you're unless you're actually operating at that you're not going to be able to take up your nutrients if you're not efficiently you know swimming that swimming that much consistently yeah like you know the more you're the more often you're watering obviously the, the better off your plant is because it's it's using it it's thriving you know if it's sitting there in a puddle of water yeah you so, know change no pellets are going to save that so when you're doing your pod i'm just picturing how you're talking the bottom water and you're you're putting a tray down and you're putting hydrogen and then you're setting the pot. okay so like uh so i'll have a saucer and yep. then like, you know, like a grow pro tray. Yep. So then I'll, uh, know how they have that, like that little pocket in the middle of them. If you can imagine, there's like a little circle right in the middle. Yeah. So like, I'll fill that with like cocoa, kind of like a pack it down and then I'll drill a few holes on the a few holes on the side of the grow pro where it sits in the tray. Mm -hmm. And then I put my plant on top of it and then the, the roots will grow through the grow pro into the tray. So it's not, so let's say if I just keep like a little bit of water in the tray, the pot's not sitting in it. 
just that GrowPro is like that sh that straw, if you will. Okay. That little, the little middle acts like a straw, so the, the pot's not sitting in it, but just a little tiny bit of it is. But the roots the roots find it within a week, and they'll they'll just drink those trays dry. I don't. I have one friend who he'll fill it with like two inches of water, and then put a bubbler down there so it doesn't get the film or whatnot, and it just drinks it up as it pleases, as a, just like a straw. Mm -hmm. But or I uh, or you put it, you know, if you do put it right in the tray, like I do my veg, then I'll just keep the little tiny bit, not enough to overwater it, but to keep it uh, thriving. No, that's interesting. Guess, yeah, like I, I, the straw technique in flour stops me from ever overwatering. And you're basically making a wicking. Exactly. Point versus yeah. having full contact with the bottom of the. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Because I, I run the earth boxes. I'm sure you've seen that yep. kind of design of sip. Um, yep. These these, these only cost me three dollars to make. You know, as far <laughs> as uh, spending money on them or whatnot, just with a drill, and yeah. it works. You know, so you, if anything, you could underwater, but you can never overwater because you're not just sitting in the tray, obviously. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that's a cool idea because that's that's one of the thoughts I always had to that SIP system is it is you don't necessarily want the whole bottom of the you know, sitting in that water and being wet, the whole bottom yeah, layer, you want a wicking point and that's yeah, so it, it. it can just drink it as it wants to. Yeah. You know, then it's even convenient uh, if you have to leave for a couple of days, you know, for whatever reason, you can fill those saucers up and you know that at least they have water, you know, just as a little backup plan. It's yeah. Nice. How long have you been doing it that way? Uh, five, six years. No doubt, man. That's cool. A big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally got it from, uh, uh, what was it called? There was a big Octopots. There's a thing called Octopot, like 2013, they were popular-ish right around then. And it was like a, it was like a deep water, but individual. Like you put your pot in it, it was a big square. And I, uh, you kind of put your nutrients underneath it and the, it just sucked up the nutrients as it needed to. And I just kind of re, you know, reworked that idea in uh with the organic system. Okay. The whole, the whole wicking concept. It was pretty, you know, it, they've already been out there, but it was just cheap for just a couple bucks to be able to do. And no, it, yeah. It really regulates the plant, takes a lot of guesswork out of it. And I've seen several different designs and ways of doing it. That's why I was kind of breaking down the little intricacies of how yours was working, you know, so yeah. well. I'll, I'll, uh, I have some pictures I'll post, you know, uh, follow up to this meeting with some of the test results on the gypsum or the calcium, ugh, the oyster and the eggshell. Yep. And uh, some of those pictures of the roots and what I meant by with the, with the watering and stuff. Cool. Totally. So then in the bottom, so you're based, then you put the pellets in the bottom of that pot. And then, so that's kind of in the bottom there, wicking with, with it. Yep. Exactly. And so like most of the moisture is down there, keeping that, that, uh, reservoir nice and wet. Yeah. Obviously if, if the soil is not wet there, the, the roots won't be able to get there to, 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 to take the nutrients. Right. The fully wet pot in order to, for the roots to have full access to the whole entire pot. So do you ever top water then? Like, yeah. Uh, like I said, I like to do a, a enzyme tea once in a while. I'll do that from the top. Okay. And just add what you want and let it go and yep just maybe once every 10 days or whatnot 10 12 days from the top and just keep kind of regulating from the bottom yeah because when you originally said you were putting pellets down i guess in my head i was picturing those being in that wet part of the tray and my my mind was kind of just yeah. like, 
I mean, yeah. that's anaerobic digestion, right? Yeah, it's, no, that would get nasty quick. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's in the bottom of the actual pot, not in the saucer or nothing. Gotcha. But yeah. just, you know, just like you would a super soil, but just throw a couple handfuls down and pack the rest of the plant in. Down, good stuff says so far so good i said i can't wait to uh to have my next blend my next grow i'll be doing with a hundred percent uh all locally sourced for my flower it'll be the first time not using the rock dust so kind of a it'll kind of be a fun one for me to see if i can get it supplemented enough uh, phosphorus so you're looking at the rock dust as being your phosphorus source well, it's like, uh, I just use soft rock phosphate. Like I said, I don't use a uh, guano or bone or any, any animal stuff. Gotcha. Cause yeah, I was looking at like some of my rock dust. Yeah. I mean, they list the phosphorus. It's like the kill P2O, whatever, five. Or, yeah. I don't know. I said that wrong, but anyway, yeah, they listed in that form, that oxidized form in, uh, on a lot of them, but I didn't realize that was like, you know, a huge role of it, but you're, talking the rock phosphorus. yeah i'm just you know yep yeah, totally that's like uh have you tried that build a bloom uh no yeah build a soil build a bloom you ever seen that product i've seen it yeah and i i, I haven't tried it though yeah, that's like a soybean meal gypsum and soft rock phosphate only and that's like a 310 2 or something like that and it works well you know so with the proteins and the soy breaking down some of the phosphate right away off uses it chelates it on site so it, it's it's effective you know it works and i was surprised to see that like brewery grain was two three percent phosphorus similar to some of the other amendments i buy from the store it's like the wow it's there's a lot everywhere to as long as you piece the puzzle together the right way there's a lot and almost everything i tested so this will be the first run where i'm not supplementing any extra just doing it all from waste See how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, it just means I have to add another pound of pellets, you know, to, to supplement uh, a little bit extra. It's not there. And so. That's kind of, I guess, in my mind's eye, that's kind of what you're doing is you got a, a goal of an MPK range in your mind, and like you're just trying to piece all these ingredients. Yep. And then obviously, it's not all perfect science because you don't know exactly how how all that's bonded differently in the soil. But you get a rough idea when you start playing with them enough times. You get a you can you can feel the resemblance when you grow two things next to each other. When you start playing with the amendments for so long, you can I can actually you know I can feel the difference in them and what I'd need to do to to achieve what I want to achieve. So it's like a sixth sense, you know. As with any job, you get you get real uh, dedicated to your work and it becomes a craft. Then you know you, you start doing things, start taking it and moving it forward. Where someone their first day might not have that rhythm yet. Right, no doubt. Yeah, it's like. Like maybe like foliar feeding, you know, like I, everybody that starts that is kind of nervous at first, but it, but shit, it's like after you've done the same three or four, whatever things, it's kind of old hat. You just know what it's going to do, you know? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. That's like when I was talking about earlier, making all those super soils for so many years, trying to find the perfect recipe and I could, I could mess up on a recipe and it would still come out the same, you know, as I was like splitting hairs in the wrong way, chasing the monkey around think you know i was still getting good results but i didn't really i want to say didn't know why but there's only one way of getting to that at that stage in my life now it's you know you can do it several different ways you know i can just grab powders and throw them in a pot essentially without measuring anything it's you can get pretty pretty close to the rough idea 
because like i said you're never getting you're never getting down to zero by the time that soil by the time that crop is done so there's always something extra just a matter of how much and how you unlock it with your microbes yeah, it makes sure. a big deal. yeah no doubt where everything's at trying to get a base on her so. yep, yep. cool man um yeah, that is pretty much uh, what I got covered. Unless there was more you want to go over, I know. Nope. No, that was great. We went. I went over all the everything I wanted to. I had a little list in case I got sidetracked. But uh, no, everything that was great. Oh yeah. Like I said, I'll, I'll follow up with some posts online with a reference to uh, some of the pictures of things I was talking about. Yeah, definitely do, man. Because I know um, we got a great community here, and they get like a lot of us love to support people that have been on the show. So like. For sure, man. Uh, you know, cool. if you want to shout out some of the ways they can reach out if they want or find the yeah, stuff. please. Anyone, uh, any questions? Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Intergalactic Gardens or HappyCoast.org. Uh, there's an email there, uh, and it gets answered every single day. Or on my sometimes, sometimes every day on my Instagram. But uh, yeah, here to help. If anyone ever wants to try anything out, uh, seeds from any of my breeding or uh the pellets and if anything stay tuned for the compost and soil to come and really for anybody's outdoor needs this year uh about let's see about 150 bucks and you'll have four or five pounds per plant you know it's pretty for for a couple hundred bucks what comes in the end of it you know i'm happy to happy to extend any services or any knowledge if anyone has any questions for this upcoming season yeah, no doubt, man. Everybody's probably and compost orders are already being made. Last year, I sold out before May even hit, and people always are wondering a month a month later. But uh, there's a way online right now. You can put yourself in line for a compost. Even so, no one wants it delivered yet, but you can you can put yourself in line so we can go through who we need to order. You know, first things first. But yeah, it's gonna be an exciting season. I appreciate everybody listening. That's badass, man. Hell yeah five years out so no I, um i'm gonna probably let you just exit out of the zoom i'll close out this meeting and then um after this we do fire up um you know what we call the wormhole i mentioned it before the show um we do those pretty much yeah a lot of the nights of the week so um, you're nice. more welcome to jump in those too so. right on thanks a lot i really appreciate you having me today it was great yeah. chatting oh yeah all right peace out yeah, peace. oh man that was uh that was great, dude. Josh, um, Intergalactic's doing some really cool stuff, man. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to have the chance to talk with him. I hope I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And, uh, I know our community here, you guys will be reaching out, at least just saying, hey, what's up? And uh, telling them it's cool or something like that. So, so yeah, man, I'm going to close this out as far as the uh, organic takeover portion. Um, I'll have to get with Eagle to get the room back fired up or whatever. So if he's available, we'll probably do that after a quick little bathroom break. But um, yeah, man, I always appreciate everybody hanging out, um, you know, just doing some of these discussions and uh, hopefully we got to learn something from it. And, um, and I hope you guys all pay that forward and uh, do something nice.